If you've always wanted to play an Artificer or a Bladesinger in Baldur's Gate 3, or you're interested in enhancing the game via mods, then you are especially going to enjoy today's video. Welcome to D4. Hey everybody, so here at D4, each week we take a deep dive into character builds for our favorite role-playing games. I like to crunch numbers about them and theorycraft about them, not so that I can tell you the right way or the best way to play a certain character, but to explore one potential way to build something that you're thinking about playing in hopes of creating a character that's both really fun, but also really powerful to play. So if you enjoy creating characters for your role-playing games almost as much as you enjoy playing the actual game itself, or if you're just looking for tips or ideas on how to build something that you're thinking about playing, then welcome home. This is where you belong. It really is. And I am so glad that you're watching, so thanks for being here. My name's Colby. I put out videos every Tuesday on character builds, so if you enjoy what you see, I hope that you'll like and subscribe and comment and even ring the notifications bell so that you don't miss an episode. So, mods. Modding a game after its release is one of the great joys of playing a game on a PC. Some people may find it a little intimidating, but I'm here to tell those of you that think that way that it's easier than you might think. I am by no means a technical guru, but once you get past your initial trepidation and just take a few minutes to figure it out, and I will give you a brief tutorial on doing so for this game anyway, I think that you'll learn it's probably not as difficult as you think. Now, some people might not like the idea of modding a game because they think it will unbalance it, right? And thereby take away the fun. The game developers tested this thing ad nauseum for years, right? Why should we throw off the balance by introducing something not meant to be there? A valid point, but here's my counter argument for modding Baldur's Gate specifically, at least in the way that we will be doing today. The mods that we're going to use are simply putting things into the game that already exist in Dungeons and Dragons, which is the rule set that Baldur's Gate 3 was built around, right? I think Larian probably just didn't have quite enough time to develop and include these things personally, but thanks to some fantastic modders, we can have them in the game. And to me, it just feels like a natural fit. Like these things should have been here all along. But in the end, the beauty of playing D&D essentially by yourself, like we do in this game, is that if you unbalance something, it's not a crazy huge deal because at the end of the day, the way you play the game doesn't really affect other people playing the game. Like when you're playing D&D &D with your friends in the tabletop version, right? There, if the balance is off for a character or an NPC, it can really throw things off for your entire table and potentially affect the fun that they are having. Here, the only thing that really matters is, is it fun for you? If you install a mod that throws off game balance, but it increases how much fun you're having with the game, then by all means, do it. And once you figure out how to mod the game, it opens up a whole new world of not just potential power tweaks, like giving yourself more feats or increasing your party size or increasing the level cap to 20, but often lots of fantastic aesthetic tweaks that let you customize the look and feel of the game and your characters in an almost endless number of ways to fit your own style and taste preferences. But today, I'm gonna focus very narrowly on mods that, yes, add things that don't exist in the current version of Baldur's Gate 3 that I miss from D&D more than anything. The Artificer class and 
my darling baby, the Bladesinger. I've often said it, but playing a Bladesinger is still, to date, the most fun I've ever had with a character in D&D, at least mechanically. My passion for the subclass is kind of what put this channel on the map for a lot of D&D players, but... Artificers? They took me a lot longer to warm up to. Once I got over my aversion to clockwork or artifice magic in my high fantasy setting, though, I kind of fell in love with the class, and especially the armorer subclass, and have really enjoyed creating some fun and powerful builds for armors especially. But before I get into the builds that I've made for these incredible subclasses, I wanted to give you guys, yes, a very brief tutorial on how to mod the game. Now, first up, a disclaimer. I am not technical support. <laughs> While I love getting lots of comments in the comment sections on my videos, understand that this is probably not the place to post a lot of questions on how to fix something that went wrong if you're hoping to get help. If you decide to mod the game, please understand that doing so comes with the risk of something not working right and causing frustration and wasted time and effort. It can potentially screw something up for your game and it might even force you to like reinstall the game, right? So if you're going to mod the game, back up your files first. To do this, you right-click on Baldur's Gate 3 in Steam, select Manage, and choose the Browse Local Files option. Once there, select everything and copy and paste it into a separate location. If you need more info on backing up your game files than what I've just given you, please Google it before proceeding. As for installing the mods themselves, there's a great tutorial in the official BG3 wiki that will walk you through doing this. I will link it in the video description, as I will link all of the resources and mod pages and stuff uh, in the video description as well. But yeah, I'll walk you through it quickly here. First up, get the Baldur's Gate 3 Mod Manager. This is a really fantastic tool that makes modding the game so much easier. Once you've got that, simply make your way over to the Baldur's Gate 3 page on Nexus Mods, again linked down below, and download the mods that you want to install. There are currently about 3,000 mods to choose from, so have fun shopping. I like to sort them by endorsements or popularity, personally, to show me like the cream of the crop first. Once you find the file you like, click on it, and scroll down in the description to see if there are any like special installation instructions, etc. Usually, installing the mod is simply going to mean going to the Files tab, clicking on Manual Download, not Mod Manager Download. I know that seems a little counterintuitive, but then downloading the file or files. Now, some mods are going to require you to have other mods installed as well in order for them to work properly. No worries, Nexus Mods gives you a handy little pop-up with hyperlinks to any additional files you may need. So follow those links, grab those files as well. Once you've downloaded all of the files that you need, simply open up the BG3 Mod Manager and go to File Import Mods and find the mod file or files that you've just downloaded and click Open. Once you've got all of your files in place, drag them from the right side of the Mod Manager these are inactive mods, over to the left side of the Mod Manager, the Active Mods section. Note that sometimes it's important to put mods in certain order, like this one needs to be at the bottom, etc. When that's the case, you will be told as much in the description page of the mod itself, so again, read that page first. Now, once you've got all of your mods in the active area like you want, save it, and then click Export. Voila, mods installed. After that, just start the game. I would use the mod manager itself to run the game. There's a little icon here in the mod manager to do so, as sometimes the mods won't work right unless you start it up from within the mod manager itself. Okay, any questions? If so, feel free to ask them on the Larian forums or in Reddit or something. <laughs> All right, tutorial complete. Let's jump into BG3 episode eight, Bladesingers and Artificers. 
I am so excited. <laughs> but first, before we jump into the build, one of my favorite sponsors of all time is back today, Hit Point Press. This time, I have got to tell you guys about their Fable Makers deck of many things, which is live right now on Kickstarter. And I mean, yeah, at the time of this recording, they're already like 30 times their funding goal. So why they even had a threshold to begin with, I don't know, because of course the product is amazing and of course it's going to be published. Time for you to go back it right now. So a careful decision lies ahead. Will you find the key that unlocks many doors, gamble on a jester, or be illuminated by the star? You guys know how much I love Hit Point Press's decks, and this Fable Maker's deck of many things is no exception to that rule. Illustrated by the Eisner Award-nominated artist Yoshi Yoshitani, the Fable Maker's deck of many things is based on the 5e version of deck of many things. It can be used in-game as that iconic magic item we all know and love, so you're drawing actual cards, from an actual deck in order to see what you get, right? But better yet, it can be used as an oracle deck to help guide your character, the plot of your game, and more, including a 100-page guidebook to help you do just that. Now, the deck features 46 foil cards in both full color and monochrome variants, and I've even got a few of them here that they sent me to show off, and I mean, look how gorgeous they are. Oh yeah, check that out, so glittery, the moon. Even the backs of the cards look amazing. Ooh, Ruin. Um, I don't want to draw that one, please. And we've got the aforementioned Jester. Oh, looks so cool. Each one of these cards features stunning foil accents, as you've seen, that reflect alongside you as you explore their meanings. With themes such as isolation, injustice, desire, and ambition, you can discover new ways to overcome hurdles in your path. So expand your journey with bundles, including Donjon D20 spinning pins, reading mats, and more. Pull your delight or your doom. Go back this project today because there are actually only a couple of days left on the Kickstarter at the time of this video release. Now, obviously, if you're seeing this video after the Kickstarter is over, you will still be able to purchase the deck, but why wait? Right now, you can get the goodies that are available to Kickstarter backers only, so do not delay. Right, huge thanks to Hitpoint Press. I love you guys. This deck is gonna be amazing. I can't wait to see the finished product. And let's jump into the builds. All right, first up, let's start with the Artificer today. For those who don't know, Artificers in D&D kind of fill this niche of being like a tinkerer, but with magic. Now, it doesn't have to be flavored like steampunk or clockwork. You can flavor it differently if you'd like, but I think most of the descriptions of the character class, the subclasses, the abilities that they have in the official D&D sourcebooks makes it feel to me like artificers are using their brains, ingenuity, and kind of engineering prowess to work their magic. I'm gonna say magic more than say, tapping into the arcane, right? Regardless, there are four subclasses for artificers, all of which show up in the mod that we're going to be using for this build, which is simply called Artificer Class and All Subclasses by Kadarian Lycan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I will link to the mod in the video description, of course. And yeah, they did a fantastic job with this mod. All four of the official Artificer subclasses are included in the mod, the Alchemist, the Artillerist, the Battlesmith, and my personal favorite, the Armorer. You can build Artificers to fill a lot of different roles quite effectively. 
with a support control buffing and debuffing kind of focus with a damage focus. But the place where I think they particularly excel is when you build them as a tank. And that is what we're going to be doing with our build today. Though admittedly, they're gonna be a lot more of like a bruiser tank, kind of a combination of both damage and durability. One final note, because of some of the ways that BG3 works mechanically versus D&D, the modders of the game made plenty of changes to some of the artificer and subclass features, just like Larian made changes of their own, right? I'll put a link to a page that describes all of the differences between artificers here versus D&D 5e in the video description. I'm not gonna go over all of the differences in this video, just the ones that are pertinent to us for this build. All right, let's jump in. At level one, for our starting class, we're going artificer naturally. And for our starting abilities, we're going to, I'm gonna recommend going with a 16 intelligence, a 16 constitution, and then a 14 wisdom or dexterity, depending on if you'd rather have a good wisdom save and perception check or a good initiative bonus and like dexterity based skills like sleight of hand, right? I'd probably go dex personally, especially early on to get a bump to our AC since we'll only have medium armor available to us at first. As for the equipment that we're gonna to wanna to be wearing on this character, I mean, yeah, medium armor at first, eventually we're gonna to wanna to get heavy armor later. That's the only thing that I'm gonna say, like, this is a must have. Other equipment that we get can be used to either enhance our defense or enhance our damage, depending on what you feel like you need more of in your party. Now, at level one, artificers get spells. Now, unlike other half casters, rangers and paladins, because artificers are half casters, we actually get spells right at level one. And I'm gonna recommend taking Guidance, of course, one of the best cantrips in the game, Firebolt or Ray of Frost for like a ranged attack. Thorn Whip is a great option to like pull enemies closer to you and do a little damage at the same time. This can both help keep Keep enemies away from allies and thus help keep them safe but also bring them closer to you so that you can punch them and then for first level spells you know make sure you grab cure wounds a nice backup heal when you need it and fairy fire is probably what we'd be concentrating on at least for the first few levels you cast the spell as an action and then anybody affected by the spell who fails their dexterity saving throw against it basically means that you're going to have advantage on attacks against them until the spell ends which is a really great buff for your entire team at level two, artificers get infuse item. So this is kind of one of the standout class defining features for artificers. It lets us choose from a healthy list of potential infusions and then use those infusions to basically enhance our equipment in some way. Or in some cases, create new magic items entirely. More on that later. We get to learn four infusions, but currently can only have two of them at any given time active. Now we can swap out which infusions we're using after a long rest. And the list of infusions are a little shorter in the mod than they are in D&D. Not every single infusion is included, but I feel like they got all of the best and most important ones. So it's all good. For this build, I would plan on using enhanced defense to add a plus one to the AC of our armor or shield and enhanced weapon to add a plus one to our weapon. Here's the best part about infusions for BG3 as opposed to how they work in D&D. In D&D, they only, infusions only work on mundane non-magical items. In Baldur's Gate, it works on any item, magical or not. And honestly, Wizards of the Coast needs to do this. There's nothing worse than having a cool class-defining feature made a lot less cool because you found a plus one weapon or some plus one armor, right? The way it works in Baldur's Gate is that these infusions, they show up in your hotbar as though they were spells. So just make sure that you've got the armor or weapon equipped that you want and then cast the infusion on yourself and voila, 
plus one. Also important to note, both of these infusions increase to plus two at level 10, and that's really nice. At level three, artificers get to choose their subclass, and like I said, we're going with my favorite here, the armorer. The armorer is so awesome. First up, as an armorer, we get a couple of additional spells, magic missile and thunder wave, both handy. We get heavy armor proficiency, which is great, so yeah, don that heavy armor if you've found some by now. And then we get the armor model feature. This tells us that we get to choose a model for the armor that we're wearing. We can choose the infiltrator model, which is super fun, super flavorful. It puts you in kind of a stealthy spy suit. And then there's the guardian model, which I envision as a little bit more of like a battle mech kind of thing, built to both punch and take a punch. It is the perfect Vi from Arcane or League of Legends fantasy, I think, and I love it with all of my heart. Now you can swap out which model you're using after even just a short rest, but I'm going to assume for this build that we're sticking with the Guardian. Feel free to play around with the Infiltrator if you want. It's very different, but still really fun. Now both models get a special weapon just automatically built into them, and for the Guardian, that means we get the Thunder Gauntlets. Ah, the team over at Kadarian Lycan, I assume they're a team, anyway, did this so beautifully. So once you choose the Guardian Armorer model from your hotbar, you get these Thunder Gauntlets that you can equip into your weapon slots. You get two of them, and unlike in D&D, in this mod, they're actually considered light weapons, meaning you can just automatically dual wield them using your offhand weapon to make an attack with them as a bonus action, right? Even if you don't have the dual wielder feet since they're light, and which you need to have in D&D if you want to do this. Now that offhand bonus action attack is not going to add the damage from your ability score modifier, right? Unless you get the two weapon fighting fighting style, but that's fine. We're not really here for the damage. Now, these weapons, these Thunder Gauntlets, come with some fantastic abilities. First up, when you hit with them, they do thunder damage, naturally. But then, very importantly, these weapons specifically use your intelligence modifier for your plus to hit and your plus to damage. Woohoo! We don't need no stinking strength. But the best part about them is this. When you hit an enemy, it applies a debuff to them that gives them disadvantage on attacks against anyone other than you until the end of their next turn. And so, as a result, we have the thing that I have been longing for in Baldur's Gate since release. A way to essentially taunt our enemies just by attacking them. Meaning that, for my money, we now have the best tank in all of BG3. We just had to mod the game to get there. Now, this ability works very similarly to the Battlemaster Fighter's goading attack, but it applies that debuff on every single successful attack. No saving throw, no nothing. I also love how when you have your Thunder Gauntlets equipped, it gives this cool, like, glowy effect to your fists. And also, when the enemy is debuffed, they get this awesome, like, staticky effect on them too. As far as how well this works in game, in testing, I put myself in the middle of a pack of enemies and hit as many of them as I could with my Thunder Gauntlets, but then also like moved an ally with a low-ish AC into kind of a mid-range position as well. Someone that the enemies could have gotten to if they'd run over to him. And in that situation, the vast majority of the time, the enemies decided to still attack me instead of my ally. Not always, but more often than not, even though I had, I think, like a 25 AC and my ally had like a 14 armor class. And then the few times that the enemies did decide to attack my ally instead, they missed more often than not, thanks to the disadvantage buff that I put on them. So yeah, in my experience at least, it worked exactly like I'd hoped it would. Of course, this is anecdotal evidence and your experience may vary. I hope it doesn't. 
OneNote, when you use the Enhanced Weapon Infusion on your Thunder Gauntlets, it's currently only enhancing your main hand weapon for damage purposes. You do continue to get the plus one to hit for both your main hand and your offhand, but for some reason you don't get that plus one to damage on the offhand. Not a huge deal, don't know if that's working as intended. Frankly, I'm grateful that it's getting the plus one to hit, that's more important. I just wanted to mention it. Maybe they'll fix it in a future patch to the mod. Now, Guardians also get the pretty great defensive field feature, which lets us, uh, proficiency bonus times per day, use a bonus action to give us a number of temporary hit points equal to our artificer level. Always handy for a tank. And the best part of this is the way it puts like this cool looking magical matrixy bubble around you when you cast it. At level four, we get our first feat and I'm just gonna say let's bump our intelligence, take it to 18. It's really going to impact everything that we're trying to do with this character. And then at level five, as an armorer, we get extra attack. So yes, now we can potentially make three attacks with our Thunder Gauntlets each round. Two with our attack and one with our bonus action. The way I would play it in game would be to try and land one attack on as many different enemies as possible, thus debuffing or taunting as many enemies as I could, letting my allies worry about killing them off. And yes, that might mean running around the battlefield and risking taking opportunity attacks, at least for now, but you've likely got a really high armor class at the moment, depending on your gear, so the risk of you actually getting hit is pretty minimal and totally worth it, in my opinion. We also get second level spells here at this level, and there's a lot of good ones to choose from. Blur can be a really nice way to give your enemies disadvantage on attacks against you. So yeah, increasing our own survivability, but remember, we would rather that the enemy try and hit us instead of our allies, right? If we give them disadvantage against us as well as our allies, I'm worried that the AI might just decide to attack our allies every time. No, I think the spell that I would rather start concentrating on here instead would be Enlarge Reduce. This spell is not only really nice mechanically, but there's just something about it, like thematically, that I love as well. You can cast it on yourself to grow to large size, which is what we'd be doing here. And for a character in like a big mech suit of heavy armor who's trying to just get the enemies to focus on them, just going into like kaiju mode feels so awesome. And being large does kind of just naturally extend our reach as well, letting us hit enemies that we otherwise would have had to get a little bit closer to, right? Also, when we're big, our attacks do an extra d4 of damage. It's not crazy, but it's not bad. Feel free to keep focusing on fairy fire instead if you want, but yeah, I'm going kaiju. At level six, we get the tool expertise feature. This basically just doubles our sleight of hand proficiency bonus. Instead of like in D&D, it doubles your proficiency bonus with all tools. Here, thieves tools and like trap disarming kits are kind of the only tools that you use and those are both based on sleight of hand. So I think that was kind of like the obvious way to go here. So yeah, it's like we have expertise in sleight of hand. And, and by default, that just makes you really great at lock picking and disarming traps, especially if you did put some points into dexterity instead of wisdom during character creation. Artificers also get the ability to apply a third invocation per long rest now at this level, as well as some new and more powerful options for those invocations. I think the one that I want the most here is Boots of the Winding Path. They've changed this invocation a little bit for BG3 compared to D&D. Here, it just puts a buff on our boots that increases our move speed by 10 feet, always handy, and makes it so that we don't provoke opportunity attacks, ever. And for someone who's likely going to be running around the battlefield, trying to land a taunt attack on as many enemies as possible, that's super awesome. 
At level seven, we get flash of genius. And this tells us that intelligence modifier times per day, when you or another creature that you can see within 30 feet makes an ability check or a saving throw, you can use your reaction to add your intelligence modifier to the role, thereby helping your allies potentially succeed, right? Nice little utility support feature. At level eight, we get another feat. And yeah, I'm gonna bump our intelligence up, cap it at 20 now, which feels perfect. And then at level nine, we get perfected armor. Armors are supposed to, in D&D, get a feature called armor modifications, but long story short, the ability didn't really make sense for Baldur's Gate, so instead the mod team decided to give a modified version of the perfected armor feature, which we normally wouldn't get until level 15. For us, in this mod, it means that when an enemy within 30 feet of us makes an attack against an ally, we can use our reaction to just like yoink them 20 feet towards us if they fail a strength save. Pretty awesome way to help keep our allies safe and coupled with Thorn Whip, we could potentially be just like pulling enemies all over the place and that's fun and really cool. Most importantly though, at this level, we get third level artificer spells. And while there are a lot of great options here, the one that we want most, no question, is haste. Yeah. Haste is the best buff in Baldur's Gate 3 as it lets us just get a full action every single turn so long as we maintain our concentration on the spell. It's like having action surge every single round. It's so good. Now, the big drawback, of course, is that when we lose concentration and the spell ends, we're basically incapacitated for a round. But lucky for us, I actually forgot to mention this earlier, artificers do have proficiency in constitution saving throws. So we've got a nice bonus to our concentration checks. Now, haste also gives us a plus two to our armor class and our dexterity saves, making us tankier than ever, and it doubles our move speed. You know, with our buffed boots, we're, we've got what, 80 feet of move speed? We're running all over the battlefield, not taking opportunity attacks and potentially hitting up to five enemies to try to encourage them to attack us instead of our allies. And yes, of course, the reality is that you should have a full caster be putting this buff on us as soon as they could, right at level five, right? It's nice to have the option to be able to do it ourselves now, but if you've got somebody who is already casting it on you, great. We can keep enlarging ourselves instead or doing something else useful with our concentration if we want. At level 10, first up, like I mentioned earlier, the enhanced defense and enhanced weapon infusions go to plus two now. And honestly, this is one of the main reasons that I wanted to get to level 10 artificer. The one big drawback with using these thunder gauntlets, right, is, I mean, we're level 10. There are all kinds of very rare and even legendary weapons floating around out there in this game that are going to be like a plus two, maybe a plus three, and probably doing other cool things as well. And we've been sort of stuck with these plus one thunder gauntlets the whole time. But to be honest, I'm really okay with that. The soft taunt debuff that they give on every single hit makes it totally worth using still, in my opinion. And of course, the fact that we get to make our attacks with our intelligence and letting us be sad, right? Single ability score dependent. I mean, you could totally argue that these weapons are essentially like a pink, very rare weapon, maybe even legendary, and we've had them since level three. But being able to now bump them up to a plus two at least makes it feel like we're keeping up a bit better with what's available in the game weapon-wise right now. Also at this level, we get Magic Item Adept. And because there's no such thing as attunement to magic items in Baldur's Gate, this works differently than it does in D&D also. It just gives us an additional plus two 
to both spell and weapon damage on top of any infusions we may have, so long as we are holding a magical weapon. So yes, this means that our Thunder Gauntlets will now be doing a plus four to damage, at least on our main hand. That's awesome. Finally, at level 10, we get a fourth infusion to be able to put on our gear. There are lots of great choices, but I think I would probably go with either well, it's the equivalent of the spell refueling ring. The infusion just lets us spend one of our infusions to create an extra spell slot in Baldur's Gate. If not that, though, I'd consider going with replicate magic item. In D&D, you can start replicating magic items as an infusion as early as level 2, but the list of magic items that you can replicate gets increasingly more powerful as you level. In Baldur's Gate, I think that since you just get so many magic items thrown at you all of the time, the modders decided to save this feature for level 10 and then letting you craft one of five new powerful magic items. And yeah, you could use up like all four of your infusions to create four out of five of them if you wanted. Let me mention them briefly. There is the Amulet of Greater Health. It just automatically sets your constitution to 20, different than the Amulet of Greater Health you can get in game actually, which puts it at 23. Still really good. Flying Boots let you fly per short rest as a bonus action, no concentration. It also gives you plus 10 feet of move speed and a plus two to your acrobatics and athletics nice. There's a circlet of mind reading. This lets you cast detect thoughts once per short rest, counterspell as a fifth level spell per long rest, and gives you advantage on wisdom and constitution saving throws. That would include concentration checks. That's really nice. There's the gauntlets of frost giant strength, and, and these set your strength just to 20 automatically. Again, different than the gauntlets of giant strength available already in game, which do 23 but again, still really good. And then there's the Crypt Lord Ring. This lets you cast the Create Undead spell once per short rest, and that's a sixth level spell. That's really nice. It summons an undead creature to fight for you, right? Doesn't require concentration. The ring also gives you resistance to necrotic damage. So yeah, depending on what magic items you currently have, you might want one or more of these. And you don't have to keep them for yourself, you can give them to an ally. So figure out which one you need most, and if you'd rather have one of these than like an extra spell slot, for example, go for it. To finish off the build, you know, levels 11 and 12, I'm a little torn. On the one hand, you could totally stay Artificer. At level 11, we get the spell storing item, and the way it works in Baldur's Gate is that it just lets you create a spell scroll, intelligence modifier times per day, which expires at the end of the day. It lets you choose which scroll to create from a select list of spells, but I mean, haste is on there, so that's probably the one you're using. And yeah, it could let you have your fighter cast haste a few times a day and be the one maintaining concentration on it, right? That's pretty awesome. The only problem is, in Baldur's Gate 3, I feel like scrolls and elixirs are pretty common and a little less impressive than they might be in D&D. Still worth considering. And then at level 12 Artificer, we'd get another feat, right? And with our intelligence capped, I'd probably take Heavy Armor Master to further reduce incoming damage, I think. But in the end, I don't think I'd go Artificer to 12 here. I'm probably just finishing the build in Fighter. We get a fighting style and, you know, that would let us go defense to bump our AC even higher. You know, I think you might find that this character is almost never getting hit as is. And for that reason, I'd probably go with the two weapon fighting fighting style to get a little more damage out of that offhand attack, I think, personally. But protection would also be a great choice to help you keep your ally safe if, you know, for some reason you weren't able to land your taunt on an enemy. More importantly, of course, we could get, you know, Fighter 2, that means Action Surge, and yeah, 
If we're hasted, I mean, that's seven attacks on our turn, once per short rest anyways. And that's just both a ton of taunts and a lot of extra damage. In the end, I think you're gonna have a blast with this character. They make a fantastic tank, but honestly, they can dish out some pretty significant damage too, especially if you gear for it, getting items that add damage to your attacks and things like that. It's just so fun to wade into battle with a you-can't-hurt-me, devil-may-care attitude, actively encouraging enemies to do their best regardless, and just pummeling them into oblivion while they bounce off your mech suit over and over and over. But then there's the Blade Singer. So, okay, you guys, I I can't even stand it. Like, I love Gishas so much. You know this. And there's just nothing as good in all of Dungeons and Dragons or Baldur's Gate 3 as a Blade Singer. When it comes to Gishas, I'm sorry, it is just true. You're a full wizard. You acrobatically dance your way through battle, weaving spells to let you float like a butterfly and sting like a Mack truck. You can teleport, you can shield, you can control, you can fireball, and your sword sings as it cuts down your foes with both speed and grace. Now, the mod that we're going to be using for this build here is called Expansion Bladesinger Only in parentheses. It's by Diz, and Diz did such a bang up job with this mod. A huge shout out to them, wherever they are. But there's actually one other mod that we're going to need in order to get this build working like it really should in game. It's called 5e Spells, it's by Celeste, and it's also just an incredible, fantastic mod. It basically includes almost all of the spells that are currently in D&D 5e that didn't otherwise make it into Baldur's Gate. There are a few exceptions, and some of the spells had to be tweaked slightly, of course, but there are a couple of very important spells we need from what's available in D&D if we want our Bladesinger to truly sing like they're meant to. So be sure and grab that mod too, and I will, of course, link to both of those mods in the video description. All right, at level one, for our starting class, yes, we're going wizard. And for the first time, I think I'm actually going to recommend a specific race here for a Baldur's Gate build. Because see, we're gonna be straight wizard for a long time here, and as such, have crap weapon proficiencies. Bladesingers do get to add one extra weapon proficiency, but we kinda want two. We want both rapiers and short swords. Fortunately, Elves, Drow, and Githyanki get one or the other, and we can choose like the other one when we get our subclass, right? This is important because depending on the weapons that show up for you in game, you might want to use a rapier sometimes, a short swords at other times, sometimes, you know, dual wielding those short swords. If it were me, I would go elf, I think, as much for story and character concept purposes as anything. Originally in D&D, you could only be a blade singer if you were an elf or a half elf. And I think between high elf and wood elf, personally I'd go wood elf just to get some extra move speed, which is always handy. And it will actually also play a little bit into a decision that I'm going to be making later on in the character's career, like thematically. Feel free to go another route if you really want. As for our ability scores, I'm gonna say, let's start off with a 16 dexterity, a 16 intelligence, and a 14 constitution. So yeah, we're going to be a dex-based striker, focusing primarily on buffing that above everything else. Intelligence will, of course, be important for us as a wizard, and especially as a blade singer. more on that later. I would love to get that constitution 
constitution higher for concentration checks, if nothing else. And I mean, you know, feel free to respec to like a 16 con if you get that headband of intellect uh, that's available pretty early on in the game. But for right now, I think we get more mileage out of intelligence than constitution, personally. As for equipment we're going to want on this character, it's basically like the best light armor we could get, and then the best two short swords or rapier that we can find. At level one, wizards get arcane recovery. This lets them recover spent spell slots, right? And then we get spells. We're going to want the usuals, shield to help our defense. Uh, long strider is great to give us an extra 10 feet of move speed without costing us a spell slot, right? Since it is a ritual spell. So yeah, we can cast it on ourselves and each of our allies, which we should totally do. Doesn't require concentration, lasts all day. Uh, mage armor is good for now, but we'll probably replace it later once we get some decent light armor. We'll want like either Firebolt or Ray of Frost for a ranged attack, but the most important spells for us to pick up are not in the base game of Baldur's Gate 3 and come to us from the 5e spells mod. And yes, here I am talking about Booming Blade and green flame blade. For those who don't know, the way both of these spells work is as part of casting the spell, you make a weapon attack and then something extra happens. With booming blade, the enemy is covered in energy and then if they move before your next turn, they are going to take some additional thunder damage. With green flame blade, if you hit an enemy and there's an enemy standing right next to them, like fire jumps out and does a little damage to the enemy standing next to them. Later on, at level 5 and then at level 11, they get a bump in their damage by a d8, including to the damage that the spell itself does on the target that we're attacking, right? Initially, there's no damage done to our main target. And we are going to be making fantastic use of these cantrips. At level 2, wizards get their subclass, and yes, of course, we are going blade singing. And as a blade singer, first up, we get training in war and song. This tells us that we get proficiency in light armor, so put on that leather armor you've been carrying around now, and also a single one-handed melee weapon of our choice. So go either rapier or short sword here, whichever you didn't get from your race. Most importantly though, we get our quintessential blade song feature. This tells us that proficiency bonus times per day, as a bonus action, we can invoke the elven magic that is our blade song. It lasts for one minute, and so long as we're not using medium or heavy armor or a shield, we get an extra 10 feet of move speed, meaning we now have 55 feet of move speed if we went wood elf and we're using long strider, right? Fantastic. It also increases our armor class equal to our intelligence modifier. So three for now, amazing. And increases our concentration checks the same, equal to our intelligence modifier. We now have the defensive capabilities to actually stay in the thick of the fight, thanks especially to the shield spell, right? So save some spell slots for shield. Now, keep in mind that we don't and never will have a ton of hit points, so we are a bit of a glass cannon here, but we will be really hard to hit. It's just that when we do get hit, it's gonna hurt a lot more. That's okay. I like a little risk with my incredible power. At level three, we get second level wizard spells. And while there are so many fantastic options, blur, enlarge, reduce, hold person, invisibility, misty step, web, I want to focus on two. 
Mirror image creates illusory duplicates of ourselves that an enemy might hit instead of us. That's great to help us stay alive a little longer. Doesn't require concentration, which I love, because that means we can save our concentration for my favorite spell in all of Dungeons and Dragons. You knew it was coming. I'm talking Shadowblade. I don't really know why I love this spell so much, honestly. A love of lightsabers, I suppose. Now, Larian kind of let this spell be in the game. You can get it from a magic ring, right? But it doesn't scale, and so it's not as good. And plus, you have to be wearing the ring. With the 5e spells mod, we get the real deal. You cast the spell as a bonus action, and it creates a shadowy blade of gloom in our hand. It has the light and finesse properties so that we can two-weapon fight with it, right, if we've got a short sword in our offhand. And yeah, it will use our dexterity modifier for the plus to hit and damage. On a hit, it does 2d8 psychic damage. That's good. That's really good. Undoubtedly more damage than any weapon in the game at this level. Despite the fact that, sadly, it can't ever get like a plus one or a plus two applied to it. What it can do, though, is scale. As a third level spell, it does 3d8 damage, so great, and as a fifth level spell, it does 4d8, and that's where it gets capped in Baldur's Gate. What's more, if we're making our attacks from within dim light or darkness, so try to stick to the shadows, we have advantage on the attack. But you know what the best part about Shadowblade is? In this game, with these mods, it works with Booming Blade. <laughs> Yes. So quickly, in D&D, in order for Booming Blade or Green Flame Blade to work, you have to be attacking with a weapon that's worth at least one silver piece. And while plenty of people argue why a spell should be considered as being worth more than one silver piece, rules as written, it doesn't work. You can't do it in Adventure League, right? But in this game, they decided to do what even Jeremy Crawford himself has said he would allow at his table, and it's to just let it work. And this is going to be especially important for us later on. All right, at level four, we get our first feat, and I'm gonna say let's bump that dexterity, get it up to 18. Of course, you know, if you, you could have started with a 17 dexterity, and then if you did a certain thing with a certain hag, it would have been an 18, and now you could be bumping into 20. That's what I would actually recommend, but I'm not gonna make any assumptions on what you're doing in your game, so yeah. Bump your decks. Better for our armor class, better for our damage, better for our stealth and all those dexterity-based things. Better for our initiative. It is the most powerful stat in-game, arguably, depending on your build, of course. At level five, we get third level spells. And while yes, that means we can fireball and fear and slow and counterspell, the spell that we really need to be making sure that we are buffed with is haste. Now, ideally, you've got someone else in your party who is casting haste on you because it's so good. If you don't, you should give up Shadowblade to use this here on yourself. I hate to give up Shadowblade, but in this game, yeah, it's just better since haste gives us the full action, right? Now, the other one to consider though here, especially if someone else is hasting us, is only available via the 5e spells mod, Spirit Shroud. This spell requires concentration as well, but then gives us an extra d8 of damage on all of our attacks that we make against enemies within 10 feet of us. It also slows these enemies that are within 10 feet of us and keeps them from healing. So yeah, now, if you're already hasted by someone else, I still think I'm using Shadowblade over this most of the time, but it's not a no-brainer. An extra d8 of damage via Spirit Shroud means potentially 5d8 more damage if we're dual wielding and we're hasted, right? Once we've got extra attack. On the other hand, making what would be 
four attacks with a shadow blade if we're hasted would give us 8d8 more damage total as a third level spell versus a non-magical rapier so yeah 3d8 more damage from shadow blade than spirit shroud but if you have a magical short sword that would make up for that 3d8 damage even if it means like that short sword applies a really great debuff or something then yeah go for it use spirit shroud otherwise shadow blades your go-to and i love having options now something to note two weapon fighting right is nice getting that bonus action attack but there are a lot of things that we're going to want our bonus action for especially on this character starting our blade song requires a bonus action casting either shadow blade or spirit shroud or a bonus action you know misty step if we need it etc so it's not like we're going to have our bonus action free every single round to make that offhand attack with right that said one great thing about baldur's gate is that a lot of the times we can know when combat is about to begin and can like put ourselves in turn-based mode start our blade song have someone cast haste on us wait around then get spirit shroud or shadow blade going wait another round and then start combat with like eight or nine rounds left on all of our buffs which should be plenty of time to get through pretty much every combat encounter i think still sometimes combat starts before we have a chance to prep and in that case especially our bonus action will be at a premium so just keep that in mind it's going to kind of reduce the value of two weapon fighting if nothing else and and might push you more towards using shadow blade or a magical rapier right so at this level level five if we're not dual wielding we should be using our action to cast like booming blade or green flame blade every time since it will do a little extra damage on both the attack and then it has the secondary effect, right? We only have one attack right now anyways. The reason it doesn't work with dual wielding is because we only get that offhand bonus action attack if we take the attack action. And casting the booming blade spell is not the same thing as taking the attack action, even though we are making a weapon attack as part of casting the spell. I know that's a little muddy, so let me know if you have any questions there. But at level six, that is like the promised land for us because we as a Bladesinger get extra attack. And it's not just any old extra attack. Bladesingers get the best extra attack in game because we get to make one weapon attack and then if we want, replace the second weapon attack with a cantrip. And while that of course could mean firebolt or acid splash or whatever, for us, most of the time it's going to mean, yeah, booming blade or green flame blade right which are going to do extra damage to our target and it's just so lovely now we really feel like a spell sword and yes we can booming blade with the shadow blade if we're using it and don't forget if we're hasted we get our full action right so we would get to make two regular attacks and two booming blade attacks on our turn and it's just going to add up to so much dang damage but at level seven we're at a bit of a crossroads of course we could stick with wizard getting more and better spells is always a good thing but you know what i want to do now that we've got extra attack and our most important spells i want to do the thing that i have always wanted to do in DD, but just have never really felt able to do because of the minimum ability score requirements we have in DD for multi-classing that do not exist in bg3 you better believe it i want to be a blade singing paladin so yes 
I'm going Pali 1 here. And as a Paladin 1, in Baldur's Gate, we get our subclass, our Oath, right? And I want to go Oath of the Ancients here. I think it's just like the best fit thematically, especially if we went Wood Elf, right? We are lovers of and protectors of nature. Feel free to go another route if you want. Oath of the Ancients, Pali's get uh, Healing Radiance, which is a nice little like group heal that we can use our channel Oath feature on. That's nice. Then we also get Divine Sense, which in this game lets us spend a bonus action to get advantage on Fiends, Celestials, and Undead for a couple of rounds. Not bad. And then finally we get Lay on Hands, which basically lets us spend Lay on Hands points to heal ourselves or an ally or cure poison or disease. Great support features here. But at level 8, we'd be a Pally 2. And first up, that means we get a fighting style. I think I'd probably go dueling here. I'm most likely using a one-handed weapon, whether it's Shadow Blade or a Rapier. So yeah, that's going to add another two damage to our attacks with that one-handed weapon, so long as we're not holding anything else in our other hand, right? We could take the defense fighting style to increase our armor class. Not a bad choice, but if I'm focused on damage, then this is the best option for Paladins for this build. We also get Paladin spells here, but I'm just going to say pick your favorite. PYF. There's nothing that I would really plan on using in combat here. Cure Wounds is a nice to have heal, but no. The real reason that we came to Paladin 2, of course, and the thing that we are going to be spending lots of our spell slots on is the one and only Divine Smite, which lets us, yes, when we make a weapon attack, add 2d8 radiant damage to the enemy, scaling up by 1d8 for each additional spell slot we spend on it, right? And here's the best part. As soon as we get this ability at this level, thanks to multiclassing with Paladin and Wizard, we have 4th level spell slots, meaning we could, if we chose, do an extra 5d8 of damage on a hit right when we get the ability, which is the damage cap for Divine Smite, right? I love that so much. We are just going to lay waste to everything standing in our way. But yeah, it gets potentially even better because with Divine Smite secure, I mean, why not pick up a couple of fighter levels to make our burst damage even better? So yeah, let's go fighter one. We get another fighting style, so we could now grab defense after all, making us that much harder to pin down. We even get Second Wind, which lets us heal ourselves for a little bit as a bonus action once per short rest. But then at level 10, yeah, Fighter 2, Action Surge. The main reason we go Fighter, of course. This would let us make six attacks on our turn if we were, you know, just using a single weapon. Three of which would apply the bonus damage from Booming Blade or Green Flame Blade. All of which would hopefully have extra damage from either Spirit Shroud or Shadow Blade, assuming someone else is putting haste on us. And yeah potentially smiting on every single one of those attacks. We are just annihilating anything and everything, and we're having so much dang fun while doing it. To finish off the build, at levels 11 and 12, I think I'm just gonna go back to wizard for more and better spells, and then, yeah, another feat that would let us bump either our dexterity, if you hadn't capped it yet, or probably intelligence otherwise, or haven't found any gear that would let you do that. <laughs> This is what I wrote in my script. I think on my next playthrough, I'm going to put it on tactical difficulty, bring a party of just buffers with me who can cast, say, bless and haste on me, etc., and then just leave them in the back lines of the fight while I just go on, while I just run in and Batman everything. Um, I started that playthrough last night. <laughs> oh, and it is everything that I had hoped and dreamed that it would be. I wish that I were at home playing it right this very moment. But I am not sad to be here with you. But that's the video for the week. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, 
and you like this channel, and especially if you are interested in maybe getting a written cheat sheet, step-by-step -step guide to help you recreate these characters in-game without having to go back and rewatch the video, I would appreciate it if you would consider joining as a channel member. There's a little button down there that says join. For just a couple of bucks a month, you get access to the library of write-ups that I create for each and every one of these builds, and it's just a really great way to say thank you and help support the channel. But if you don't want to do that, that's okay. I love all of you, members and non-members alike. Thank you for being here, for watching. I hope you have a really fantastic day and a great week. And if you don't, please hang in there. I also hope that you stay safe and that you be kind and that I see you again very soon. But until then, take care. And it's new, the shape of your body, it's blue, the feeling I've got and it's who, oh, oh, it's a cruel summer. <laughs> I'm drunk in the back of the car. <laughs> How does it go? I'm drunk in the back of the car, and I cried like a baby coming home from the bar. Oh! <laughs> Said I'm fine, but it wasn't true. I don't want to keep secrets just to keep you. <laughs> okay, confession time. I'm not the world's biggest Taylor Swift fan, but um, my daughters are big fans, as they should be. And uh, so I went with them and my wife um, last week to the, like, uh, the Eras tour. She's like, it's like in theaters, right? Uh, when she was doing her concert in LA and she puts on a good show <laughs> and it was really fun to see like my girls just kind of um, uh, you know uh, taking that in right like seeing this amazing talented uh, woman up there just owning her power and glory without any apologies, right? So anyway, great show. Highly recommended. And choose the bros <laughs> browse local files option. We interrupt this, ooh, wait. Well, no, I'll just stay in this shirt. <clears throat> you can, uh, no, say that this way. Or, or in some cases, People in the hall talk really loudly. Kinder, Kadarian lichen. So it applies. Oh, but it applies the deba. It. Can you hear that in the hallway? Does that spell exist in Baldur's Gate Three? It just increases our move speed. It just increases the move. Uh, it gives our boost. <laughs> so the mod that we're going to be using for this here is called... <clears throat> I didn't write it down in the script. Now... <clears throat> Oops. <laughs>